the game. Jesus is going to win the game. <laughs> yeah, that's good there. Is there another game? Oh, I've got my little sword. Thank you, sir. All right, almost ready. Did you enjoy the kids? That was great, wasn't it? Oh my gosh, I was watching them worship. They were into it, yeah? They, they were just worshiping. That is so awesome. All right, I'm almost sorted here. You're not talking amongst yourselves, are you? <laughs> Much more entertaining watching me. <laughs> yeah. All righty. We are in a series called Building Blocks, Building Blocks to a Life Lived in Faith, which is our theme for the year, Living in Faith. And our scripture is back over here. Let me pull this out. The theme is a year of living in faith. Why a year? Because you've got to start somewhere, right? If you live a minute in faith, a minute leads to an hour, an hour leads to a day, a day leads to a week, a week leads to a month, and a month leads to a year, and a year leads to a lifetime. You've got to start somewhere. So that's what this is all about, living in faith. And this is our, our theme verse, 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 and 12. It says, so we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Then our Lord Jesus, then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live and you will be honored along with him. This is all made possible. I just love this. It's, it's kind of like on the commercials, isn't it? Made possible. <laughs> this is all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. And there are three basic building blocks. We've been looking at these each week. The first one is God's love. That's his character. Do we trust the character of God? Do we trust the love of God? The second one is God's promises. That's his word. The things that he's told us, his whole word is his promises. If we trust his character and we believe his word, that will lead to us living in obedience. We will live based on those promises. That's our life of faith. When you live a life of faith, you experience God at a whole new level. And when you experience him at a whole new level, it's like, wow, God. And, and his love that was already there just comes flooding into your life. And, and, and you start again. Your four courses higher than you were. Looking for the next promise. Looking for the next step of obedience. Experiencing God again. Ephesians 6, 16 and 17. We've, we've been talking sort of a sub-series here. The sword and the shield. And we've been using Ephesians 6 as our, as our theme verse for that. In addition to all of these, Paul is talking about this spiritual armor that we're to put on. And at the end of it, he says, in addition to all of that stuff, hold up the shield of faith with which you can stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God. And the question that we've been examining over the last couple of weeks is, 
how do you go from this size shield to this size shield to this size shield? Because if I'm in a war, I want this one, right? This, this is the one I want. I, I don't want to be out in a war with that little tiny shield. And how do I go from this sword? I mean, it's okay. You've got a big shield. You're behind your shield. It's like... It's a sword. I'm not sure how scared Satan's going to be of that sword, but I'd rather have one of these. That's a little bit better, isn't it? Might scare Satan a little bit more, but what I really want is one of these. I can't even hide that behind there. So you've got the shield stopping all the fiery arrows, and you've got the sword, which is the word of God, the promises of God. And as we live in those promises, our lives become active. This is how we take ground. Here, Randy, would you can't borrow you for a second? <clears throat> I've got no paper for you to throw at me today. Yeah. <laughs> We've got these rocks. So if Randy's attacking me, I mean, I could, I could get down behind here, but as soon as he sees that, it's kind of like, hey, we got a whole different game going on here, buddy. And Satan is vanquished. <laughs> Randy is not Satan. <laughs> so last week, we, we kind of talked about the shield part of it. How do you go from the, the small shield to the big shield? And, and the three things, Jesus, I love the song. Jesus is always at work. He is always at work. He never stops working. He doesn't even take the Sabbath day off. That's why there's so many passages in the Scripture, in the Gospels. Jesus is working seven days a week. Told us to take a break. He's working. He is always at work in our lives. He's at work around us to help build our faith in the things that we see him doing, maybe in other people. He's at work in us, in the things that he does to us sometimes, maybe not through our faith, but through the faith of others. And then he is at work in us when he uses us to do something. And that's when your shield really gets big. It's like, wow, Jesus. And we talked about that last week. And go to any of our, uh, go to the app, Lakeway Online, and download any of the message, listen to any of the messages. This morning, I want to take a look at the other half of this duo. The sword and the shield go hand in hand. So that was the, short, the, the shield. Today, I want to look at the sword, okay? And the question is the same question. If you're in a battle, and you are, which sword do you want? Let's take a vote. This one? This one? This one? It's pretty easy, isn't it? But only some of you answered. So I'm assuming the ones that were quiet maybe don't want a sword at all. But we'll talk about that a little bit later on, all right? So we are in this process of transformation, becoming more and more like Christ. That's what it means to be a disciple of Christ. Our mission statement, our church mission statement, you see it on the screens around the, around the church. I've got it up here. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, transform people into fully devoted 
followers of Christ. That's this church's mission statement. Everything we do, you may not know this because we don't maybe talk about it enough, points in this direction. How do we take people from A and move them to B? A being the old, B being the person that Christ is creating us to be, transformed. And it's based on Romans 12 too. It says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person, changing the way you think. Then you will learn and know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Everything we do is devoted to that. But here's the problem. Sometimes it gets fuzzy, doesn't it? You know, we, we talk about transformation. We talk about living in faith. We talk about taking ground. But, but sometimes we're kind of fuzzy on what the target is. Maybe we never really understood what the target is. Maybe, maybe we think the target's something other than what it is. Maybe we just don't know. But we're on this journey from A to B, this journey of transformation. This morning, what I want to do as we begin this, how do I go from this to this to this? I want to set the target up for us. For us to get a clear picture of where we're going. What does a fully devoted, transformed follower of Christ look like? What does a disciple of Christ look, look like? So I've got five benchmarks. Now you should have a sermon outline. I did a sermon outline. If you don't have a sermon outline, raise your hand. Is Bob in here? There you are. He knew where we were going. <laughs> Good man. I don't always do sermon outlines. I did one today because I think you, yeah, everybody likes it. <laughs> I like it too. It's just hard. <laughs> I just felt we needed one this morning. So I'm going to give you five benchmarks. Five benchmarks of what a transformed person looks like, okay? A benchmark is, it's a standard. It's something we use to measure other things against. It's like, okay, this is what we're aiming for. This is our benchmark. What do we need to do to get there? Now, the five benchmarks I'm going to give you this morning, I'm going to go through them really quick. I'm not going to dive into them. I just want you to give you an idea what this fully, what the target is, where I'm going. So benchmark number one, a disciple, a transformed person is a genuine worshiper. A genuine worshiper. John 4.22 says, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Well, what does it mean to be a worshiper? When you worship something, you put it above everything else, right? There are some football worshipers. I mean, love football. I love soccer. I got to be honest. If England was in the World Cup today, somebody else would be preaching. Because <laughs> I'd be watching the game. I don't worship that, it's important to me, I enjoy it, but what we worship kind of has a focus in our lives, and I like the way this says, they must worship him in spirit, that is in everything within us, and in truth, that has to be genuine, and there are all kinds of things we worship, if you want to know what you worship, there are two benchmarks that you can use to know what you worship, look 
at the way you spend your time. What do you do with most of your time? As for many, it's work. I work, I work, I work, I work. But the real indicator is if you're not at work and you don't have anything to do, what are you doing? That's where your mind goes. Another one is where do you spend your money? Well, on groceries. I mean, you need a mortgage now to buy eggs, don't you? But if you've got money that's not groceries and not this or not that, all of a sudden, you know, you go home today and you put your hand in your pocket, you pull out a $100 bill. It's like, yeah, what are you spending it on? That'll help define what you worship. So benchmark number one, a disciple is a genuine worshiper. Benchmark number two, a disciple is a bold witness. A bold witness. First Peter 3.15, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. Don't be afraid to say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I love Jesus. And sometimes we make this so big. It could be a simple invitation. I look at Linda. Sitting right there. She was at the welcome lunch. We had an awesome welcome lunch last week, by the way. Thank you for everybody that was in it. Lots of people in there. So I, I heard Linda tell a story last week. She, she was out thinking about a church. And she's walking through the parking lot of the church. And Brad is out there on the lawnmower. And he sees Linda, and he turns off the lawnmower, and he talks to Linda. She says, I've been looking for a church. And Brad says, this is a great church. You should come here. And here she is. Brad's here because he lives across the road from Hector. Hector sees a neighbor across the road. Hector's all got his radar up. I wonder where he's at with Christ. Builds a friendship, builds a relationship, Leads Brad to Jesus Christ. Brad got baptized in this baptism tank right here. Hector's here because a guy named Leroy invited him to a breakfast and said, hey, we got, he knew Hector likes to do things. You may not have caught that. <laughs> and this is when this building was just being built. They had added that on and they needed to tile the foyer. And Leroy said to Hector, how would you like to come and tile this foyer with me? And now Hector's sitting here. Leroy moved away. A bold witness. It, it's amazing how it trickles down, isn't it? It's relationships. It's time. Never be afraid. Make it intentional. I'm going to tell someone some way about my Jesus, even if it's just inviting them to church. This is a great church. Come here. Benchmark number three, a disciple maker is committed to be a disciple maker. What did Jesus tell us? What was his command to his disciples? Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Everything is in my control, guys, and I'm with you. Therefore, because I have this authority, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
And what you see here with Linda and Brad and Hector and Leroy is this process in action. Who are you taking on the journey with you? Who's taking you on the journey? That's what discipleship is all about. What legacy are you going to leave? I think about that, you know. One day I'm going to be dead. I'll be with Jesus. I'm looking forward to that day, but not today. What are they going to say about me? I'm going to tell you the truth. I hope there are a lot of people crying at my funeral, but I hope there are more people smiling at my funeral because they say, man, he helped me on the journey. That's what it's about. Benchmark number four, a disciple is a prayer warrior. Ephesians 6.18 says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. There are so many passages of scripture on prayer. It was hard to pick one. There, there's prayers about being persistent. Scripture about being persistent in prayer, being consistent in prayer, being faithful in prayer, being hopeful in prayer. Praying nonstop. How's your prayer life? Do you know one way of measuring where you're at on this transformation is what is the focus of your prayer life? What are the things that bring you to prayer? There's absolutely nothing wrong with going to God and praying. There's enough stuff going on, right? God, I need your help with this. I need your help with that. I need your help with that. But what did Jesus say when he he was with the disciples? He says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers into the field. It was all about the mission, this mission of transformation. Benchmark number five. I said I was going to go quick. A disciple is a selfless giver. A a disciple displays selfless generosity. Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. A fully devoted follower of God is not afraid to give. It comes first on their list of everything. It's like, man, God is the most important thing to me. That's, that's the first part of everything that I do is I give to God for the work of God. So there's a snapshot for you. Now, here's what I don't want you to do. Because lots of churches like to do this. I don't want you to rate yourself against this snapshot, okay? I want you to take that off the table. This is the destination. This is where we're looking to go. Nobody is there. You're never going to be there this side of Jesus returning. And, And I've been a little unfair with this this morning because I've given you the attributes of this fully devoted person, but I haven't given you the promises, which is the word of God that goes with them, that would encourage us to do these things that Christ has called us to do. We're going to unpack those in the coming week. Here's the deal, and it's right in your notes there. We are all a work in progress. Now, let me get your attention. I want you to turn to someone and say, I'm a work in progress. Okay, now say it convincingly. Turn to someone and say, I'm a work in progress. 
You are a work in progress. That's what taking ground is all about. You see, a disciple is dissatisfied. We sh- it's okay to be dissatisfied with where you're at, but not discouraged. Discouragement comes from Satan. Dissatisfaction comes from the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Here's the goal. I'm not at the goal yet. I really wish I was at the goal yet. I feel kind of bad that I'm not at the goal yet. But guess what? Jesus is the one who's getting me to the goal. We're to be dissatisfied but not discomfort, not dis- discouraged. We are to be uncomfortable. It's okay to be uncomfortable but not defeated. Passionate about what Jesus is doing in you around you, through you, confident about who Jesus is transforming you to be. Let me tell you something. (laughs) This is probably not hard to believe. I get up in the morning, and when I look in the mirror, it's like, yeah, baby. Not for this. This is scary. (laughs) That's kind of like, yeah, baby. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the living God. My Jesus Christ lives in my heart. And every day, he's making my shield bigger. He's making my sword bigger. I'm not going to whine and complain about where I'm not yet. I'm celebrating where he's taking me. That's how we are supposed to live. You see, Satan would, you you see the gap between where I am and where I want to go. And Satan is going to just keep pointing. Yeah, not there yet, are you? How's the prayer life? How's your giving? When was the last time you told anybody about Jesus? Worship, I saw you this morning. (laughs) He's going to just dig away at that stuff so that we constantly feel beaten down. But that was never how Jesus did it. He always encouraged, except for the Pharisees who thought they were so good. The ordinary person that comes to Jesus and says, you know what, I'm broken, I'm not very good at this. Jesus says, I know. But I'm working in you, man. I'm making you better every day. Stick with me. We're going places. I got a bigger sword for you. Trust me. Philippians 1.6, I am certain. I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Amen? Is that not a good verse? That's a promise. There's a promise for you. Now, we're going to talk about these promises because for each and every one of those attributes, there's a promise like this. There's something that you can hold on that will make you want to grab for that thing. Like, wow, I want that. Thank you, Jesus. It's the same as the kids, you know. I used to be this. And then... And as Jesus keeps working, there's a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit. I don't know where I am now. Here's where I want to be. And I'm not crying that I'm not there yet. I'm praising God that he's taken me there. He's going to keep on doing this work. That's what taking ground is all about. It's not about being defeated. It's about, man, it's all there right in front of me. Jesus is with me. I can't fail at this. Just need to put myself in his hands and say, let's go, man. Let's go. It's what we're living for, a life lived in faith. When you live life in faith, you know, (laughs) you're living in the confidence that God is good. My God is good. 
See, Christianity is supposed to be attractive, right? You hear me say this all the time. I've been to so many churches where they put a list like that up and then say, "Uh, how you doing? And everybody goes out of there. You should come to church with me, man. It's great. How you feeling? If you're feeling okay, we'll sort that out. (laughs) No, you're supposed to go out of church with a big old smile on your face. Like, I met Jesus today, my Jesus. He's working in me. He's working through me. He's my light. He's my life. He's making me better. You should come and see my Jesus. You need a big shield and you need a big sword. Now, I'm going to turn things a little bit here. We've got to get the real part. Not that that's not real, but we've got to get the, the serious part. A lot of you might be thinking, I get the shield. I want the big shield, right? Who doesn't want a shield against the flaming arrows of Satan? We all want the shield. I like the shield. Not so sure about the sword. Swords are dangerous. You shouldn't play with knives, right? I got the shield. I'm not so sure about the sword. Why the sword? Why not just... <laughs> Why not just stay behind the shield, eating ice cream, and watching Netflix? Satan can't get me. (laughs) Why the sword? Because as soon as you pick up the sword, it implies action, doesn't it? It gets scary when you pick up the sword. Swords are dangerous. So I'm going to go down this road a little bit, and it's not as nice as the first part. We live in a broken world. You hear me talk about this all the time. And God has not promised to rescue us from the hardships of life. One of the things Jesus warned his followers about right before he went to the cross, right? In this life, you will experience pain. You will experience hardship. You will experience ugliness. But I have overcome this world. He didn't say, I've overcome this world, so this isn't going to happen to you. He said, this is going to happen to you. So he's not rescuing us from the hardships of life, but he also doesn't want us to be destroyed by the hardships of life. He wants us to live in victory in the middle of the hardship. That's what's attractive. That's what brings people to Jesus. He wants to equip us for life. He wants us to have a big shield. He wants us to have a big sword because he wants to use us in life. Now, here's the thing. We're either going to allow the hardships of life to bring us down and take us out, or we are going to allow God to use them to shape us and mold us into something stronger, something better equipped, something useful in God's kingdom. When when your sword... And your shield are tiny, you're going to succumb to the hardships of life. They're going to bring you down. And when that happens, there's a lot of whining that goes on. I hear it all the time. Well, if God was real, why is this happening? Why is that happening? Why is God letting this happen in my life? (laughs) If only, if only I, if only they, if only he, if only you. 
Now, I'm not trying to make light because we all struggle. I struggle. But the question there sometimes is, why doesn't God rescue us from the harshness and difficulties of life? Now, here's why. Like it or not, we are in a war. We are in a war, every single one of us. It is a war for the souls of people. People who are broken and hurting and hurt-ers. People who are far from God in the grips of the enemy. And we are all soldiers. Every single one of us is a soldier. And we are soldiers that Jesus Christ calls to go and get those hurting people and bring them to him. Now here's where it gets tough. The best soldiers are battle-scarred soldiers. Battle-scarred soldiers are the wisest soldiers. They have learned to define what's important in the battle. They're not interested in petty things. They've got bigger concerns, bigger pursuits, bigger realities on their mind because they're scarred and they've been hurt. They see a bigger picture. They have experienced pain. They have experienced hurt. They have experienced fear. They have experienced failure. They have let God down in the heat of the battle sometimes. They've been wounded by the harshness of life. They have seen close friends, maybe family, loved ones cut down in hurt sometimes to their death. They have been hurt by betrayal. They have been let down by people that they love and they trusted, just like Jesus. They know what it's like to get knocked down, and they know what it's like to rely on somebody else to help them get back up. They know what it's like to enter into the battle to go and get another fallen soldier. That's what it means to be a battle-scarred soldier. A battle-scarred soldier allows the Lord to use their weaknesses, their fears, their brokenness, and their pain for his good purpose. Battle-scarred soldiers are the best soldiers. That's why God doesn't rescue you. He has a plan for your pain. He has a plan for your hurt. He has a plan for your failure. The other bit was better, wasn't it? <laughs> he is always at work. And he calls us to join him in his work. Now you might be thinking, I don't want to be a battle-scarred soldier, Pastor Mike. I got bad news for you. You're going to be. You're going to be. Every one of us is going to be. And you're either going to be a battle-scarred soldier with this, or you're going to be a battle-scarred soldier with this. You choose. That's what this is all about. My desire, the leadership of this church's desire, and God's desire is that you would embark on this journey 
of going from that little shield to that big shield, from that little sword to that big sword. That you live life to your full potential. Now, Satan tries to fool us into believing that we don't have a sword and we don't have a shield. But we do. We all have faith. We all have a shield. We all have the word of God. We all have a sword. We just need to exercise it, use it, believe it, and live it. And that's what the promises that we're going to get into is all about. You got to start the journey. Now, do you remember I said this so many times last week? Anytime Christ seeks to help us grow in faith, he is going to bring us to a crisis of faith that demands action. You can be eating your ice cream with the shield up, watching Netflix. But if you're real about this life with Christ, he is going to come along and he's going to give you a little kick and he's going to say, get up. I got something better for you. You're watching drivel and you're eating fat. You need a better diet. You need some exercise. I got a better life for you. Get up and come and follow me. I want to give you an opportunity to take some steps of faith this morning. Sometimes we need a little nudge, don't we? Let me give you a nudge. In your bulletin today is a response card. Some opportunities to take up a shield of faith to take up a sword, to trust Jesus, to trust his promises. And it's a list of, of ministries. This is just in-house stuff. A way of saying, you know what? I need to get moving on this journey. Where, where do I start? Now, I want you to look at that list. By looking at that list, it says, I am interested in knowing more about these things. If you check off one of those things and you write your name, I'm not coming knocking on your door saying, aha, you signed up for. I'll come and say, hey, you're, 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 in, you're, you're kind of looking, right? I want to know what God is doing. Where can I live in faith? Where can I take a step of faith? Pastor Mike, I think I might be interested in it. What is that all about? So I put some in there, learning how to greet people. Smiling face at the door means a lot means a lot. Learning how to care for the church grounds. Somebody cutting the grass, inviting someone to church. I think that's awesome. <laughs> All the words that went through there. No, 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 no. <laughs> Learning how to help in the audiovisual ministry. Learning how to help with PR and marketing. I had someone come to my office this week and say, I'm kind of interested in that whole marketing thing. We're terrible at marketing. It's like, thank you, God. Yes, we've been praying for that. <laughs> Learning how to help in preschool or children's ministry. That doesn't mean that you have to be a teacher. You might be just someone that, that monitors the halls and takes kids somewhere or sorts out the lessons. I mean, learning. Learning how to teach Sunday school. Learning how to lead a small group if you're a little bit further down the road, learning how to help youth grow in their faith, learning how to share your faith. How do I tell someone about Jesus? How do I even begin that conversation? If you want to know more about those things, check them off. 
Put your contact information on there and there'll be somebody at the door at the end. You can just drop it in there. And then there's a box for other. I was lying in bed and I was thinking about this. Conversation I had with a good friend of mine. Maybe there's something else. Maybe you know you're not living your life to your full spiritual potential and God has been prompting you to do something and you've been hesitant to do it. That's other. Put something in there. Come and talk to me and I'll pray with you and we'll talk about it. And then the last three, I would like to know about baptism. Man, you know, I've been following Jesus for a while. I got sprinkled when I was a kid. Is that baptism? Is there something more, Pastor Mike? I never got baptized. I want to know more about it. I would like to know for certain that I'm going to heaven. I kind of think I am, but I'm not really sure. You can be sure. The Bible says, I write these things to you that you may know that you have eternal life. I would like to know more about membership. We have a membership class coming up. I think Mo's probably going to talk about that in a minute. So at the end of the service, there'll be someone at the door there with an offering bag. Just deposit the cards in there. And let's get going on this journey of faith. Amen? All right. Football game today, and I know you're all kind of itching to get out there. I noticed that our attendance went, say again? Oh, three things. I never told you the three things. Sorry. Thank you. Uh, Do I have one of those? Oh, they're on the thing. You need three essentials for the journey. Number one, you need a road map. Where's the road map? The Word of God, the swords. You need a roadmap. Number two, oh yeah, go back to that verse. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Number two, you need traveling companions. You were never designed to be a loner. That's not in God's plan for you. You need traveling companions. We do this together. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, skip through to 12. says two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And third, you need a plan. That's what this taking ground is all about. That's what the men's retreat is all about, guys. This is the journey that we're on together, but we need to take the journey together. Amen? So fill those out and drop them in the, uh, in the thing. If you, and if you're in a place right now and you're thinking, I don't want to, take it with you and pray over it. God, is there something here for me? Is there something that you want to do for me? What, what is it? And bring it to next week. And we'll get together. We'll have coffee or tea and we'll talk about it. I got a couple of prayer requests for you before Mo comes up to do the announcements. Um, many of you know Daniel Bauer. Daniel and Sissy used to sit over there. They haven't been for a few years ever since COVID started. Um, Daniel had cancer. And last week... Daniel got the upgrade. 
He's with Jesus. So please keep Sissy Bauer and Daniel's family in your prayers. There's going to be a service for Daniel on March 16th. That's a Thursday at 11 a.m. right here. So mark that on your calendars. And then please pray for Andrew, Andrew and Robin. I think Andrew was sitting over there last week. He had open heart surgery a few weeks ago. Serious. Well, all open heart surgery is serious. And um, was here last week, was at the welcome lunch, even ate some lasagna. <laughs> but he is back in the hospital. Uh, all around his lungs, there's fluid. And I got a text literally right before the service. I asked um, Robin if I could share this with you. It's blood gathering around the outside of his lungs. So now they're looking to see where that's coming from. So they're draining the blood. So this is a serious situation. So if you could keep Andrew and Robin in your prayers. On a completely separate note, ministry leads, immediately following this, we have a calendar planning meeting. We've got food for you. I promise to get you out of here before 1.30 so that you can see the football game. Mo. This little light of mine. That's right. <laughs> Who do you want to follow? You want to follow somebody with a light or somebody that's already in the darkness? The same way with this shield. The shield's great, and you can stand and cower behind it. But do you want to move forward with the Lord? Do you want to be on the offensive instead of the defensive? That's things we need to think about this week. We've got lots of things coming up. We've got the men's retreat. Uh, please keep Randy and his team in prayer. Next weekend is uh, Kairos. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, we got... Okay. Randy's going to be right outside there in the foyer. If you just want to pray for the Kairos team, just put your first name and the colony or wherever you live. Not your last name, just your first name. And that is really powerful for those men to see that pair chain just wrapping all the way a couple of times around where they're at. So that'll be a great help for not only those men, but for the team that's going in there. Let's keep them in prayer. Now, I won't talk about Philadelphia. Philadelphia is our tribal of the Cowboys, okay? I'm a diehard Cowboy fan, but one of my best friends here at the church is John Fry. He is really excited about Kansas City and his wife as well. And I'm going to pull for Kansas City today, which is way out of the norm. I hope that doesn't ruin it for him. But I'm going to pull for Kansas City because my friend is a Kansas City fan. But that's just a sidebar. But please, uh, there's a 101 coming up. When Randy and I are going to be teaching that on the 26th, right there on the screen. Oh, I love this double screen stuff. That sure helps me out. But anyway, everybody that has questions that are seeking a church, you don't have to become a member to do that. But to be a member, you have to do 101. So, in other words, if you come, you might have questions about the church, and we'll do our best to answer them. We won't know all the answers, but if we can find them out for you, we're going to do our best to do that. So, come and learn about the church, what we believe in, and what we're trying to do here. 
And that's directly after, what are you saying? Offering. I'm going to do that. <laughs> you know, give him the microphone every once in a while and, you know. Okay. No, would everybody stand? That's all the announcements I have for now. Ah, women's ministry, movie and game night. Be there, be there. Friday, the 24th. Now we're about to take up the offering. I want to pray for that. This is the time that you put all your little cards in there, the, the questionnaires, the uh, here's my prayer request, either anonymous or not, and we'll take care of that. Thank you all for coming. We're blessed by you being here. Let's close. Uh, let's pray for the offering, and we'll take that up right now. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for all our blessings. We just thank you for being able to give back to you just a small portion you give to us. Take that and multiply it. Use it for your good and make us a better person by doing it and helping the kingdom. We thank you and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, they're going to pass the hats. And as we're doing that, is there any other announcements, Pastor Mike? Yeah, just, just, you can stick one another. Uh, sorry. Um, last week, we had, we had communion. So this is really awkward because we're taking up our offering right now. Typically, or normally when we do our communion, we also take up a benevolence offering which is for people who are in need. We didn't do that last week. And uh, Kelly has told me that our benevolence needs are great, our funds are little. So, two offerings, your faithfulness, your tithes and your offerings to God. And then as you leave, if you've got five bucks in your pocket or something like that that you can spare, just a little extra, just drop that in the bucket with your card or whatever that you, that you filled out. This goes directly to help people who are in need. Sorry to have to do it that way, but that's the way it is. Thank you, Mo. You're welcome. Okay, you can stand again. Okay, now sit down. No, I'm just kidding. You, you can stand up. I want to sit down. Yeah. I'm going to say a blessing and let everybody go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Jesus, help us to go through this week and be a light to someone. Let us be that smile when there's not any. Help us to be encouraging when there's discouragement. But more than all, help us to let everyone know who our Savior is. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. 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 You're dismissed.